Hello, everybody. Welcome to another Bald Guy podcast with your host, Jeff Brown, and our guest, Dave Van Horn. Welcome, everybody. This is Jeff Brown, known as the Bald Guy. We're going to be talking about the new world of crowdfunding today. And it's going to be with David Van Horn, one of our favorite note guys. Welcome, David. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? Another great day in San Diego, although as we were talking before we started here, you guys are having much better weather in Pennsylvania than we are in San Diego. Not enough of it, right? It only happens a couple times a year. And like I said, enjoy it while you have it. No, we do, we do. Let me just dive into the, the first question here. How does investing in crowdfunding compare to discounted notes in today's note market? Well, I guess um, well, it's kind of like I throw it back a question on you is what type of crowdfunding. You're seeing a lot of different types of crowdfunding right now, but you're seeing a lot of it be very competitive to, you know, investing in notes. And, I, and, and in some ways, I, I think it's actually better as far as that goes. Now, you're you're in less control, maybe. You don't own the note, right? You would be investing in pieces of notes or something like that or pieces of the investment depending on what type of crowdfunding you were looking at. But I think the returns are comparable. So I guess the difference would be, you know, you're investing in that management team of the crowdfunding company, you know. Have you seen anything out there that is especially a high yield in crowdfunding, no matter the investment vehicle? Yes. There's actually a bunch of them now. A, A good friend of mine, Dr. Kenyon Meadows, just did a study primarily in crowdfunding type arrangements. And he's invested in over 35 different ones in the past three years. And he actually lists his top, you know, three or top ten, that type of thing. And uh, he's done an interesting study on that. And some of the ones at the top were um, Realty Shares and Patch of Land and, and those types of vehicles. Some of them are not so high a return, like Realty Shares isn't that high of a return. But it's a very safe type of investment spread out amongst, you know, hard real estate with strict parameters, you know, and very transparent reporting, that type of thing. Patch of land is more of a hard money type fund, I think. But then there's also note funds. Um, if you really think about it, Lending Club is an unsecured note fund. So there's plenty of these note funds, and the returns vary based on risk. So most of the actual note funds that I've seen probably pay returns from the 9 to 12% range at this point in time. Now, that, I guess that could vary with the market. I think the hard money funds are a little higher, but they're shorter term usually. So a lot of the crowdfunding terms are uh, often a year in uh, length, duration. You know, so. And the amount invested is usually, the minimum is usually lower as well. Right. Now, how does crowdfunding's yield rates to investors work compared to demand for notes? Has it affected the yield or the demand for notes? You know, there's a lot of demand for notes in the marketplace right now because real estate values are going up. So anytime, you know, notes are in direct correlation to real estate values. So if housing prices go up, so do note prices. And then obviously the demand goes up and it's a supply and demand equation too. And and what drives prices up is there's not enough notes for the demand, right? So it makes sense. You know, so it's both going on Mm -hmm. at the same time. I think what's, what's changed is that you don't have to find notes or do notes if you're in a you know a crowdfunding type note fund, and you can spread your risk amongst uh, you know many notes or that type of thing, and so you get this diversification. 
And also, in some ways, you have less risk and less liability. There's definitely more liability owning a note than being in a note fund. And there's right. also, you know, you're able to take advantage of the ability for the note fund to bulk buy, and they can be licensed, for example, in, in all the states or whatever. So, in other words, they can handle the compliance side better than an individual can. An individual trying to be compliant in today's mortgage world, is, it's a pretty big undertaking. Um, Good point. Unless you, yeah. unless you stay yeah. really small. So, and when you look at returns, like, you know, I might say, well, say the returns are, you know, 9 to 12%. So, let's say 12% or 10%. But what the difference is, that's a preferred payment typically. But whereas a note, it's principal and interest payment. So, in the note payment, you're getting back some of your own money in principle. Well, so not only that, but then when it pays off, you're also getting the profit built in by the discount on the original purchase. You can, but what happens in an up market like now is they shrink. So that becomes less and less valuable, right? So a lot of times there's less upside potential as pricing goes up. Right. In yeah. down market, yeah. that's, you know, whatever you call that, the kicker, the difference between the payoff and what you paid for the note. Uh, when you're in a down market, that gap's large. In, a, in an up market, that gap shrinks. So there's there's less of upside potential in a lot of cases. You know, if you bought a, a note at the, you know, the height of the market or close to the height of the market, there's less upside potential than there was in a down Absolutely. market. So Absolutely. So if you look at, well, what's my compliance risk? What's my liability risk? What's my diver diversification risk? And, oh, I can be with an experience you know, fund that's been around a while or something. Yeah, you got to weigh that a little bit, you know. I'm, I'm not saying don't buy notes or invest in one thing or the other. I kind of do a little bit of everything myself too, you know. So, But um, I think they're a little bit different vehicles. And to your point, there is a difference. And there can be some, some strong advantages to these crowdfunding thing because if, especially with low minimums, and it's open to everybody, not just accredited investors or high net worth investors. It's kind of open to the general population. There's still screening. There's still a limitation. It's 10% um, of what you earn or 10% of your uh, net assets, not counting your primaries. You, know, you still have to qualify to be an investor. But sometimes I've seen minimums as low as $100 and even $25 in, you know, like wow. funding club, for example. But um, I've seen some note funds that were, you know, 100 And then I've also seen some, I think Realty Shares might be 5000 minimum. So you're seeing some pretty low minimums to get in the game. And the duration is usually a one-year term, and then you can go back in again if you want or add more money. or So sure. it's a lot more people, but it's – it's more technology-driven a little bit. You know, I don't know if the customer service level is the same as, you know, if you're in some big high-end fund where, the, you know, the minimum investment's real high where you might be able to pick up the phone and talk to a live person as opposed to you know, going right. to a website where you can't talk to a human, you know. I guess that could be one of the trade-offs maybe. Yeah. Well, and that's, I think, a real advantage of your note funds, including mine in under PPR management and my note group in California is that, you can do that. You can call a live person who knows exactly what they're talking about and will answer questions in plain English. Sometimes we can do it in Spanish, too, but, yeah, it's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> I like We that. have a girl like here that. that's bilingual, so that's, that's what we need to do. We'll do it. You know, Jeff, we aim to please. There you go. Well, the final question I have for you is crowdfunding has been around now for a while. What 
do you see, based on your experience of watching these things, as the future of note yields versus crowdfunding yields? What do you see coming? It's kind of like a double question you asked there. One is, what, it, what do I think the impact of crowdfunding is, uh, which has actually been out in its current form for about 20 months. So it's a relatively new thing. And if you're starting this crowdfunding venture, you're everybody's a new kid on the block, so to speak. And it's not like there's a ton of case law or anything because it's been out for 20 months, right? But when you get on the, the note side, the question comes, you know, what are the, what's the real estate market going to be doing? And, and a lot of the economists that I'm seeing right now are kind of predicting that, you know, the GDP might not be so strong, but the real estate market is what's kind of fairly decent right now. Now, the question will be if they raise interest rates, then real estate values can drop again, right? Or, you know, you know how that works, Jeff. We were around when rates were 18%, right? So, um, yeah, nobody buys anything. (laughs) So, the, you know, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they might try to control how much they raise it. Sure, they'd love to raise it gradually and uh, get things to a norm to give them some tools in case something does go awry. But, you know, it's really this question of the real estate market. Does the real estate market hold out? Because if, if it drops a little bit or the economy's not as strong as we thought it was, jobs is a big indicator of delinquent notes for us, right? So if unemployment ticks up, we get more uh, delinquent uh, loans. And there's always delinquent loans, right, from death, divorce, job loss, medical, those types of things. But I think crowdfunding is going to change the dynamic of the world, so to speak, in a way. And here's why I say that. It's a game changer. It's basically going to change banking dramatically, and you're seeing it already with these crowdfunding sites. It's going to change business dramatically, and I think it's going to change the brokerage and financial advisory system dramatically. Because here's why. If my next-door neighbor, who's not you know super sophisticated or whatever, can invest in a crowdfunding-type website, he can go online in fact, we're, you know, we're hoping to start it where people can invest with us right from their phone. Like you could have an app or whatever. Right. You know, the world's changing, right? So you make it so simple, so easy. Um, I can invest, you know, a thousand bucks or a hundred bucks or something ridiculous like that and get a, a nine or a 12% return, which is insane, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't need a broker to do it. I don't have to go to Wall Street to do it. You know what I mean? So that's, I don't think they're, they're aware of what's really coming. It's going to actually kind of punch them in the head, I think, because, you know, I used to do that. I used to sell insurance. I used to do financial planning for a brief period of time. And one of the things I think that's going to happen is people are not thrilled with them anyway. And you can attest to this. We have a lot of baby boomers who are actually on the verge of retirement right now, and you're going to see a lot of money leaving the stock market. And I think crowdfunding is going to make the amount of money leaving increase. I talk to them all the time. I'd rather go to, you know, PPR and make whatever than go to my broker who's skimming off the top, right? Because think about it. We have no middleman fees. It's almost right. like we're, we're like we're connecting Wall Street to Main Street with no middleman. And we're doing it with technology, right? And we're doing it with crowdfunding, right? So now I'm allowed to what was once only open to the extremely wealthy is now open to everybody. That's a game changer, whether it's in the note business, the real estate business, the hotel business, whatever that is, uh, the movie business. I think crowdfunding is going to change the United States, to be honest with you. And I got a feeling no, a lot of people are asleep at the wheel and they don't even realize this is coming. 
And when I look at traditional financial planning, they need a shakeup. They're the old school. You know what I mean? It's been that way so long. And I think there's so many disgruntled customers who are actually approaching retirement and they don't have the money to retire and they have to work longer and, and what have you. And I guess you can sense that you're, you're a little bit older than me. Um, but I'm getting there too, right? And you, and you know people that you love and care about are, are facing this right now, and it's, it's not pretty for a lot of people. You know? Oh, yeah. I was, my mom passed away last summer, but I was, I was her Social Security. It was very, and I was fortunate enough to have her uh, live with me the last three and a half years of her life. But she's not anomalous by any stretch of the imagination. No, and I think we all know that, you know, it's not like you could put money in a CD or a money market or an annuity for that matter and really make, you know, enough return to keep up with taxes and inflation and and live in some kind of a normal lifestyle where you don't need, you know, $20 zillion to live off without depleting the asset, you know. So it's it, – I think – I think we solve us. We're a solution for some of this. I think we're a unique solution. I think we're a viable solution. We're like a rocket ready to leave the pad right now with uh, our sourcing connections and with the ability to fundraise from a crowdfunding potential, which is what we're working on these days. I, I think it's pretty exciting for us. I mean, oh, I'm excited for you. I, we, you and I have been talking about this off and on for a while now, and I'm excited for you. You guys and you guys have worked very hard and earned every bit of what you're getting here. Yeah, so I, I hopefully we can uh, jump into the space. And I think one of the advantages we have is uh, you know, we do have that 10-year track record and we do have a good reputation and we do have a, you know, a history of giving a lot of value to the community and hopefully we continue all that. I'm just hoping we can keep the same personal touch and level of service that we did on a smaller scale when we go broader. And, and I, I, I'm going to try. I'm going to kill myself trying probably. But I, I mean, that's my goal anyway. Hopefully. It's always a challenge. You know, always yeah. Always a challenge. I mean, I, but I think it's it's a worthy, uh, I think the competition, I, I, that could differentiate us a little bit, you know. Let me uh, ask a bonus question. You mentioned, you know, as long as the real estate prices keep heading northward, we're, we're good. Do you have a sense, I know your crystal ball is as cracked as mine, but do you have a sense of when you see the real estate prices leveling off or maybe going uh, backwards a bit? You know, it's funny you say that there was an author. Actually, he's from your area. His name was Robert Campbell. I'm trying to think of the name of the book. It was uh, Timing the Real Estate Market, something like that, by Robert Campbell. I don't know if you want to Google that. but uh, Well, he was, you know, he was a guy that was super successful, builder, developer, realtor, and he lost it all in one of the crashes in, in California, which tends to have these you know, big swings, you know. Yep, and you know, I'm trying to remember them all, but I know one of them was critical, and it was it was housing starts. And the reason housing starts is one of the critical, you know, half a dozen that you could look at on a regular basis was because housing starts are real data that you can really track. Where someone goes down to the courthouse, like a builder developer, pulls a permit to build something, and if you see housing starts go up for say, you know, increasing for a six month period, that's usually telling you. Builders have confidence in the market. That's why they're pulling these permits and that they're getting able to get the financing and things are on par for an upswing in the real estate market. Just like if right. you see new construction permits drop for six months in a row, you see it declining. Well, that's telling you you're headed towards the, you know, the dark end of the woods, right, where it's going to be a crash. So, sure. I mean, those type of indicators, you know, you get a half a dozen of those that are real data that you can really track 
it is critical. But the cool part with real estate, it's not like the stock market. You will get this, like Robert Campbell says, you will get this approximately six-month window into the future as what do you think it's going to do. Because now it's based on data. It's not based on gut. Right. Which is what I liked about his book. So if you get a chance, it's, it's worth picking up, you know. And have you seen any recent data on the on that actual uh, slice of the pie, the home starts? No, <laughs> but it probably should be. Well, it's, it's very localized to a point. You know, if I'm in Boise, Idaho versus Dallas versus San Diego, right, I'm going to see different results versus Wyoming. Fortunately or unfortunately, real estate's geographic. I can tell you what I am noticing. I'm noticing states like New Jersey with a ton of delinquent assets, and we're loving it. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it, I guess it's, um, you know, it's funny. Uh, we're with the one group we're working with. We're killing it in uh, the Chicago area, which is Cook County. And most here's an example of what I'm getting at. Most node investors shy away from that county. They don't like that county. We're knocking it out of the park in that county. And it's just funny how people's perception – I have people that were like, oh, we won't buy any notes in New Jersey because it's a long foreclosure timeline. We're killing it in New Jersey right now. So it's funny how people, what their perception is and what reality is, are just not even on the same planet sometimes, you know. What do you think is driving all the defaults in uh, New Jersey at this point? Well, a lot of it was that it was a backlog from the long foreclosure timelines. But what it did was some states flushed out their product quicker than others and Sure. What do we care where, it, you know, it actually works nicely for us. And um, and same way with New York, New York products like that, too. And right now, you know, the five boroughs, you can get a heck of a premium for notes in the five boroughs right now. I mean, it's a pretty sweet area up there. I mean, pricing in New York is just crazy right now. Well, just like, you know, some of California, I'm sure San Francisco and stuff. So, um, you know, it's funny. uh uh, you know what I'm regretting right now? I had a lot of notes in Southern California, for example, and uh, other areas that I'm like, man, why do we sell those notes? Why do we sell those? You know, I always – I yep. didn't look back, but I kind of do. Yep. You kind of kick yourself. Florida, same thing. I mean, we had a lot of product in Florida. And um, I'm getting ready to move into it, Florida myself. Yeah. We probably let a lot of it go too too cheap when we think about it, you know. But um, that's just the nature of the beast. And uh, I'm sure we did the same thing in Vegas and Arizona. I know we did it in the Phoenix area, and that was one of the first areas that seemed to bounce back. So, But you're right. I mean, you want to be aware as best you can, but you also still, you know, we still have to turn product to keep the lights on, too. You know, so. I hear you. Well, man, you have been a font of information as usual today, uh, David. Thanks so much. Yep. It's always a pleasure. Listeners, thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time out. Bye-bye. Take care, Jeff. Thanks for listening to the Bald Guy Podcast with Jeff Brown and our guest, Dave Van Horn.